0: Good morning, I'm Byron Fayette. It is the 2nd of March, 2021, and as I celebrate the news that, thanks to COVID, curbside cocktails are catching on once again in many parts of the country, I note that on this day, in 1444, Skanderbeg, Skanderberg, organizes Albanian... I'll forget what he did, but was this where the whole, I'm such a cool celebrity, like Cher, Madonna, Fabian, Bjork, but I only need one name thing started. Perhaps there is even a copy of Skanderberg's Greatest Hits on an 8-track somewhere. More on those 8-tracks before we finish. Today in 1877, Rutherford B. Hayes is declared winner of the presidential election, even though Tilden won the popular vote. So one would assume, or could assume, that Tilden's supporters for the next four years called Hayes a fascist called for impeachment, blamed it all on Portuguese collusion until Hayes lost the next election, at which point his voters stormed the Capitol, blamed the miscount, miscount in quotes, on the fancy new adding machine invented by the philosopher Pascal, and began stockpiling ammunition, one could assume. Except there was a time when most Americans, regardless of political affiliation, didn't have a perpetual bug up their collective ass about such things. This day in 1919 saw the first communist international in Moscow, which I will lazily assume was a sort of Marxist NASCAR race. Today in 1949, the Lucky Lady 2 landed in Fort Worth after the first non-stop round-the-world flight. Ninety-four hours and one minute... In a B-50 superfortress that, you can read the specs yourself, does not seem to have been equipped with a bathroom. Born today, 1968, Daniel Craig, great actor but forever to be known as the almost as good as Connery, James Bond. On the way, the good, the bad, and the ugly about automotive advances that happened this day in history. Now, a moment ago, you heard the phrase automotive advances. It should be advances that affected the cars we all drive. One such came to our shores in 1983 with the introduction, March the 2nd, of the compact disc player. Now, that seems like caveman tech to millennials. It seemed like fairy tale magic to boomers and Xers, many of whom saw it replace the cassette decks in their cars. Cassette decks... Not so in the Arklatex, where the gold standard of mobile music was still the 8-track. Mostly out of stubbornness, the folks in these parts eschewed the cassette, holding obstinately to the 8-tracks they'd purchased with money that was coming easy from working the oil rigs onshore and off during the original gas crisis. And that kind of stubbornness among a group that fought for the Confederacy for two more years after Gettysburg shouldn't surprise anyone. Besides, people had only owned those eight tracks for a few short years. Most owners were only then rounding out their collections of Elvis and Waylon and Willie and Gordon Lightfoot for the two or three hippies in this region. So what if there was no rewind feature and you had to listen to nine bad songs to get back to listening to the only one on the album you really liked? So what if the cassettes, cartridges, whatever, were so bulky that your music library took up literally two velvet-lined suitcase-like boxes you had to put in the trunk? It still was preferable to shelling out, then scarce, dollars for a CD player that was in every way superior, but being probably made in Japan was a purchase at the time no real American could ever reconcile with his conscience. Then on this day... 1989, the beginning of the end, came with a crackdown on CFCs. To the folks down here, that only meant you could no longer buy the Freon that kept your car cool, at least the AC, running. Now, admittedly, the folks in the southern United States probably created that thing called the ozone hole by allowing countless Freon spills and spews to occur during drunken car maintenance. But, just like the 8-track, AC in cars was also a relative new luxury to most of us for the next 10 or so years of freon smuggling business flourished until the rusty trucks and stubborn roughnecks that drove them began to be replaced with newer though perhaps not better models of both pickups and citizens something else that came along about that time was the open container law heavy-handed and revolutionary was thought down here because it made it a crime to drink a beer while driving of course, no one wants drunken driving on the roads, but that was less of a problem back then than you might think. In those days, everyone followed the 60-mile rule. Driving on the interstate, no more than one beer for every 60 miles of travel. It kept you south of drunk, but north of boredom. The guys who made those Freon smuggling runs to Mexico used to swear by that rule. I'm Byron Fayette, reminding you to drink at home, it's cheaper, it's safer... And despite everything said here in jest, drinking and driving don't mix. And I've got a stained pair of linen pants from Drinking Merlot and driving my tractor after church. That proves it.